Welcome to Comics Quest, where we pave the road for those who want to get into comics but don't know where to start. I'm your host, JD. And I'm Haley. <laughs> and uh, we're back. It's been a long journey getting to this episode, but we're finally back together. Yes. It for, has been. Uh, for a short time, unfortunately, because uh, as I've already put out on Twitter, that. Um, Due to uh, scheduling conflicts, Haley is no longer able to be a part of the show uh, as a a co-host, so we're just doing this episode and the next episode, uh, and then then she'll be gone. But they are good episodes. I'm glad that it's these. Yes, I'm very glad that we're going out, uh, I I would say, on a high note together. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Haley... Uh, this episode, what comic are we covering? So we are covering Fun Home by Allison Bechtel. Becht- I think it's Bechtel. Bechtel. Yes. Um, it says a family tragic comic. Tragic. Tra- <laughs> yeah. Tragic comic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Allison Bechtel. She was really. She got really well known uh, throughout the eighties and nineties in the underground comics industry. And, uh, yeah, then in, I believe this was published in 2006, uh, and it's, uh, a memoir about her, uh, gr- about her growing up in rural Pennsylvania and the, uh, strange, uh, relationship she has with her father and it. Uh, goes back and forth between two different timelines. Uh, one being uh, her childhood, mostly when she was around 10, 11 years old. And then the other being uh, her early years in college when she was starting to uh, discover her sexuality as a lesbian. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a, it's a difficult read somewhat because it's, it's got a lot of a lot of uh, emotional dysfunctional emotional things going on Um, yeah if you have like uh, any sort of I guess family trauma also this could be emotional for you to read yeah Um, so where where would you like to start with this Mm, well whenever I first got into it I didn't I didn't think about it like I honestly did not even see the tragic comic part in the beginning, so mm-hmm. I thought it was just going to be like a fun childhood story. I should have <laughs> looked at that more carefully, but um, yeah. <laughs> so whenever you first get into it, it looks pretty much like your typical, you know, like comic strip comic. Um, mm-hmm. The artwork is, I guess, what you would expect, and so is the the type on it, but. Like with the timeline being so different, and then there's so many different art styles in here too. It doesn't get boring. It doesn't feel like a regular comic strip, but mm-hmm. it was nice that I kind of knew, I guess, how to read it as soon as I opened it. Some of them are kind of confusing, but this one has like the classic, you know, black and black and white comicy feel. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I I first came to this comic, um, so a a YouTuber that I will probably bring up frequently on this show 
is Matt Draper because he has covered a lot of comics in his video essays that I would say are really great uh, gateways into getting comics. This being one of them, I got I found this comic solely based on the fact that he did a video on it, and I didn't watch the video. I just saw the thumbnail, and I thought that just looks interesting, and I found a copy at at a half price books, so I picked it up and found out what it was about and I was going oh this is going to be interesting as it's uh, about a young woman after fin- after uh, her you know finally coming out as a gay woman she finds out that her father has been is a closeted gay man and then not long after that revelation he dies in mm-hmm. an apparent suicide it's never actually result is never actually resolved it's like officially it was an accident uh he gets hit by a semi truck but uh Bechdel paints a portrait of him throughout the story that makes that makes you believe uh her what what she believes which is that he most likely committed suicide because he was extremely unhappy and uh that 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 on its own is just a heavy topic to get into Mm -hmm. because it's not proven but it just you know definitely seems that way Mm -hmm. yeah Um. and uh, and you mentioned like the the different art styles which are mostly like with uh she brings up Bechdel brings up photographs throughout the story and she puts an extreme amount of detail in these photographs yeah and uh, in a way to, to kind of wa- wanting us to pour over every detail in those photographs to find to try and figure out the history of her family and the and the history of these people, because uh, something that's brought up with Fun Home is uh, Bechdel, excuse me, has talked about how the way that she feels that she connects with her uh her family in particular her parents are through fiction in particular fictional works that they themselves were drawn to uh so in the case of her father it was like um uh Camus and his works like A Happy Death uh or F Scott Fitzgerald uh in in particular uh The Great Gatsby uh, and then, like, with her mother, because she... Bechdel later wrote a graphic novel called Are You My Mother, which was about her relationship with her mother. And uh, But she touches on a lot of her... Uh, kind of, like, her relationship with her mother through her father in this. And she touches on, like, the importance of being earnest and an ideal husband by Oscar Wilde and uses these pieces of fiction to try and understand her parents in particular her father and i feel like that's kind of universal we all use fiction whether it's fiction by other people or fiction that we write ourselves and we use it to try and understand ourselves as well as the people around us if that makes sense Mm -hmm. yeah a lot of the uh like the literary references went over my head either because it was stuff I had read a long time ago or stuff that I hadn't read mm-hmm. but it wasn't so much so that I didn't understand her point and the way that she phrased 
everything was, I guess, very specific just so she could try to convey what she meant exactly. And it obviously was very, like, personal, personal, um, like, books and stuff and plays that I guess she felt she could relate to more so than just trying to put her relationship with her family into her own story, which Mm -hmm. I understand that if you, uh, if it's hard for you to come to terms with your family's relationship, it's easier to, when you see it acted out in front of you or you're reading it and you're like, oh my gosh, that's me. Mm -hmm. So I completely understood that part, even though some of it, I didn't exactly get the reference, but still I was like, yes, it's so much easier when you just see it in front of your face and you're like, oh, (sighs) relatable. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And because she uses, um, like when she when she talks about uh, she writes about herself as a as a child, she uses uh, the Adams family as a way to like as, as like she feels that she like that's her family like she connects to the Adams family that like oh they're a weird odd quirky family that's kind of us but it really isn't like her fault yeah I haven't I, I will admit I will say up front I haven't read this in a while. Uh, I, and I've only read it once. Um, I think I read it, I don't know, maybe four or five months ago. Um, so a couple of things are still kind of, are not fresh in my, in my memory, but I remember specifically like her being drawn to the Adams family because they were so out there and strange, except the, the thing with the Adams family was that they were created as like just a weird version of the typical American family, except Mm. they're a lot more functional than the typical American family. Like, you know, they all love each other, you know, Mm. more, you know, uh, I haven't read like the comics, but the, um, the, the early nineties movies from Barry Sonnenfeld, uh, you know, they portray Gomez and Morticia as like absolutely, head over heels drop dead in love with each other and nothing can change that uh which is so different from the relationship between bruce and uh oh my gosh i forget uh allison's mother's name and i'm mad right now because i can't remember it but uh the but like their relationship is very different it's not you know like you know she talks about like you know in in the early years of her parents her parents relationship they were very much in love but then over time uh Allison's mother you know discovered if I remember if I remember correctly like she discovers you know uh the fact that you know Bruce is gay and but she still stays with him and they raise a family together even though they're not you know they're in love but it's a different kind of love it's it's all very complicated Mm -hmm. (laughs) which i'm trying to say as a as a heterosexual man i'm trying to (laughs) talk about this yeah well i think like in one in one specific part like i guess the letters that her dad wrote to her mom were heavily inspired by um I guess stuff that he had read and so Mm -hmm. it is easy whenever you're watching something reading something to get swept up into the same kind of 
feelings that that has so that might have pushed his affection a little bit more and mm-hmm. so when you when you don't have that inspiration anymore or you don't have I guess because they were letters to each other you don't have the time or the space to like I guess I don't want to say rehearse but think about what you're going to say and make it grander and sound better then you know that's it's easier it's easier to write it down and make it sound nice. So maybe in the beginning, their relationship was more, I guess, theatrical than, I guess, authentic because yeah. they had the space apart to kind of fake it. And then yeah. <clears throat> once you that- have kids and you live in the same house, you know, you can't escape each other. So. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree with that. That also, that reminds me of like just today with texting and email. It's, 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 it's an extinction of that where we have time now to like rehearse, like, well, what am I going to say to her? What am I going to say to him? I don't know what, what, what should I say? And we have all this time of like, you know, what, what am I going to say to this person? I have no idea. And you just, you know, take your time. And, And then of course, whenever you actually meet each other or like see each other face to face it's a lot more difficult because you're not you don't you're not giving yourself that time to think about everything you want to say before you can say it to them Mm -hmm. and if you're not you know face to face right next to each other it's easier to idealize someone make them seem you know like what you want them to be so maybe he wasn't even specifically her dad wasn't really writing those letters to her he was writing those letters to someone that he could love you know an idealized version of her that in his mind he really did love you know mm-hmm. so it's sad to see that part because the letters are very pretty like the lines <laughs> you can see some of the passages that he wrote they're so poetic and just romantic and then it like snaps back to I guess her childhood and they just are so mean and hateful to each other yeah it's- there's that uh, there's that one moment uh, where he's like says something about says something like um you know you, you know you're the one who has the problem you crazy bitch mm-hmm. <laughs> which is like wow that's a that that took a turn <laughs> yes not like the letters at all no not at all um but you, you were talking about like uh how they they were influenced by fiction and of course that goes back to what i had just you know i just said like you know we use fiction to try to understand the people around us like he used the relationship between um f scott fitzgerald uh and his wife zelda and he felt like he's like oh i'm i'm like f scott so that means that she's my zelda and i have to write to her like she's zelda Mm -hmm. in order for her to fall in love with me and i can fall in love with her and that will make everything okay but that's not reality you know Mm mm-hmm you know, you have to get out of that headspace and, and really f- figure out, you know, you know, who you are as a person. You can't just measure it by, oh, I am th- I am like the real version of this, you know, fictionalized person or or this fictionalized version of a real person that I that I read works of. It's like, no, you have to actually figure out on your own who you are. And not mm-hmm. try to measure yourself up to, you know, uh, up to fiction or fictionalized versions of reality. And you can't measure people by that same metric. 
Yeah, and I think that was like a big theme throughout it was that her dad would use those books and those stories to escape. He'd be like this, anything that he would be reading at the time, it's like, that's who I am today. And then whenever you get grounded, you know, you're back to your real life. That's when things are at their most dysfunctional. So it seems like everyone in their family had some sort of escape, like her mom had her plays. And she also did her own writing, even when she was young. And that was what was interesting to me was her journal. How even mm-hmm. when she started journaling, towards the end of it, whenever I guess she starts to talk about how her OCD and everything became more pronounced, and then even in her journaling, she didn't trust herself anymore as, I guess, the narrator to her life. So she started, like, little by little being like, did this really happen? Did I even mm-hmm. do that? <clears throat> yeah. Was I, <clears throat> was I even there? Yeah. And so that... I felt I felt bad for her during that part because it's it's her life but she still can't even I guess get out the words to make it real because once you write something down it's I guess it seems sort of set in stone and that might have freaked her out so just be like she just put a bunch of question marks in there and like just crossed a bunch of stuff out And that was one of the saddest parts for me was her second-guessing herself about stuff that was happening at the time and then the Mm -hmm. fact that it took her even longer to realize all of the issues that her own family had when she got older. It's like her whole life has been one big, vague story that she didn't really know the details of until later. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better. So, um, stepping back from the comic for a second, uh, when I brought this, uh, to your attention, there, uh, there was something that I had discovered when, when I finally read this. So before reading this, I had heard of the Bechdel test and I kind of knew what it was. However, I didn't know that this was the actual, that the Beck that, this was the Alison Bechdel who uh, basically created the Bechdel test. So I, I've talked to you about it, but uh, do you remember? Do you remember us talking about it a little bit? Yes, and I did not put the pieces together. I did not realize this was her either. Yeah. So for those of you who who are listening who don't know, um, I'm just gonna read a definition of it here. Uh, the Bechdel test is a measure of the representation of women in fiction. It asks whether a work of fiction features at least two women who talk to each other about something other than a man. And the requirement that the two women must be named is sometimes uh, added. And uh, it's used in various different ways, usually the two ways. It's either used as a um, as a metric to, to uh, as as like Media criticism in a way to like figure out whether something is good or bad. Uh, And then the other way a lot of people use it, the way I usually think of it, is that it's more of uh, a way to show the lack of representation in in any type of, in any art medium, uh, which I've always found interesting growing up. You know, I grew up mostly raised by two women, so I've always been 
fascinated by uh, how women, you know, view, how women view, you know, as a man, I've always been fascinated how women view uh, certain pieces of art, how they view certain pieces of art, or certain they uh, view art mediums in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is also one of the reasons I, I initially wanted you on the podcast because I was I I just wanted to I wanted to to just discuss with a woman uh, about comics because comics have been kind of unfortunately been the subject of gatekeeping by straight white dudes which yeah, sucks it does seem like a male dominated I guess hobby or like pastime yeah which is really funny um, when you have when you actually have like you know people who are reading uh, you know comics in particular superhero comics in like the the 50s and 60s and 70s or actually more like the 50s and 60s the the readership was actually pretty diverse it was mostly like kind of split down the middle both like with boys like young boys and girls were both reading comics and you actually had like you know superman was the most popular character but there was also outside of superman there was the jimmy olsen comic and there's also the lois lane comic and all of them were pretty popular with both boys and girls and then even throughout the like in the late 70s and then throughout the 80s and 90s there were a lot of women uh at the forefront in comics like ann nascenti or louise simonson uh, working on everything from like Daredevil to Thor and X-Men and then uh, a lot of like the uh, the editors at Marvel and DC in particular DC were, were all women like Karen Berger who created Vertigo Comics so yeah it's just really interesting the uh, like the the kind of showing the, like the lack of representation uh, even though you know throughout hist- and, and throughout history we've had women be at the forefront of you know this industry and also other you know art mediums uh and yet you know we still have these straight white dudes trying to gatekeep comics just trying to keep anything in, in general which is shitty yeah even though women have been so i guess prevalent in the creation of all of it i didn't realize yeah. that realize oh like the fact that like women have just been around in comics for so long yes well and but i did think it was nice and i guess i just thought it was coincidence like the this episode the main characters a woman and then in our last two episodes or the last two episodes that i've done the main character was also a girl so it does make it easier for me to relate to but they're yeah. also just really good stories. I'm glad that that these are the ones that I've gotten to do. It does make it a little bit easier read for me. So, but even though I might not directly relate with the with the characters, it's still I guess I can still see where they're coming from. Mhm. Yeah. So, uh we've covered quite a bit already uh is there anything else that you were that you just kind of had on your mind when 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 you read this or after you read this well i guess like the main takeaway that i got from it was even though i guess this seemed 
pretty sad. Like her, she had what seems like an, I don't want to say an uneventful, because the way that she looks back on it, it doesn't seem very dramatic or theatrical. It was just her life. And even though it does seem kind of sad, she doesn't seem very sad when she writes about it. Um, but, you know, everything is sort of, it's just got like a melancholy, I guess, tinge to it. Yeah. So, <clears throat> from an outside perspective, you're reading it and you're like, gosh, this is so depressing. Her dad is a closeted homosexual. Their marriage is horrible. She doesn't have a great relationship with either of them. She has to figure everything out by herself. But even though it does sound sad, I guess it's just the fact that it's so realistic. You know, lots of people's are or lots of people's families are just as dysfunctional as this. And lots of people also have a really hard time, um, I guess, coming to terms with their sexuality. And hers didn't, she didn't have like this big aha moment, I guess. You know, she goes back and forth through the whole thing, talking about little times that she, I guess, realized but didn't fully realize or just had an inkling, I guess, that she was a lesbian. And it also put into perspective for me that it can take you a really long time. Like her dad obviously was um, was involved with men throughout his life, but it doesn't really say, I guess, how frequent or like how early it started. But even if you are a parent, you still have stuff that you're working through. So it's just like, what was the name of the one that we did? that one summer where like the parents have their own issues and it really does take a toll on your children because they see that so she didn't know exactly what was going on with her dad because that's a big identity crisis you know if you're forcing yourself to live a lie but it did it was the cause of a lot of their issues so the fact that I guess she grew up you know not knowing that just thinking that I guess their family was strange and then once you find out, he just passes away. It's so, so sad. But all of it, you know, at the very end, she says when she was at her dad's funeral, I think she, like, made a joke or something. Or, like, her and her siblings were strangely fine. And it's just, it's your life, you know? It happens. And if you don't exactly know how to cope with it, you just kind of move past it. Mm -hmm. And I think eventually she came to terms with it. But just the fact that she was just like well you know this happened and like <laughs> she didn't seem sad but to yeah. the outside person you're like this is it is tragic just like the cover says yeah uh and then i guess like the last thing i wanted to talk about so of course um sexuality and sexual identity or and also like gender identity uh, play a lot into the story uh, so like at one point um, Allison uh, says that if there was one, if there was one person who was a bigger pansy than my father it would be Marcel Proust which I found I, I found I, I, it was a funny joke but mm-hmm. uh, it did it did point out the fact that you know you know, of course, you know, we have this, uh, like the, you know, societal gender identities of men and women. Men are usually are, are very masculine. 
women are very, you know, you know women are thought to be very, you know, feminine and dainty and, and what, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, Submissive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you have Allison who, you know, is an out gay woman who doesn't like fuss and muss and, and likes, you know, things to be very simplistic. And then you have her father who is a closeted gay man who likes the fuss and us he likes frilly things you know outside of you know running the funeral home and like he's a part-time funeral home director which they call the fun home the kids do and uh and he's also a part-time english teacher which she actually is taught by him i think for two years one or two years when she's mm-hmm. when she gets to high school but then outside of that he's also a he occasionally is a, like a home renovator and he is like constantly renovating their home to make it a lot more elegant and just the idea of you know like just adding that whole other level in this story of having the two of them kind of have opposite gender identities from each other adds like another layer to their relationship mm-hmm. another layer yeah I said that. They're I just said like that correctly. inverted versions of each other, like literally polar opposites. Yeah, and then um, so something that I had actually totally forgotten that happens, uh, but I can't remember when it happens. But I think it's before she leaves for college. Uh, Bruce gives Allison the book *Earthly Paradise*, which is a collection of writings by Colette. Um, who was a writer during when she when did she write in the like late eighteen like in the late eighteen hundreds into the early nineteen uh, hundreds, uh, and I'm not like very well I'm not well versed in who Colette was uh, as a writer, but but apparently she was a she was. Uh, gay i believe i'm I'm gonna look this up because i didn't look this up beforehand like i should have unfortunately um i'm the worst i'm sorry that's okay i do remember that part that you're talking about yeah like like uh um, and uh, i think she calls it whenever she's given yeah uh, shortly afterwards and what allison bechdel describes as an eloquent unconscious gesture uh, she leaves him her library copy of Flying, uh, Kate Millett's memoir, which mm-hmm. she uh, was seminal in. She was seminal in uh, second wave fem- feminism. Also wrote a book called uh, Sexual Politics that came out in 1970. Uh, and uh, she was a feminist. She was an advocate for human rights, civil rights, and uh it's it's kind of like how like it's almost as if like the two of them just knew that they were that they were gay mm-hmm. and le- and like giving each other these pieces by you know by you know women who uh who were both gay and then like them it's almost like they were they wanted to tell each other but they just didn't know how and of course and going back to that idea of 
using fiction to understand people this was right. them you leaving leaving these two these two pieces of works which were actually autobiographical uh but these two written works to to try and have the other one understand the other yes it's like the only way that they could communicate was through i guess not directly saying it but yeah it's like here is this piece of literature that might help you better understand me which i mean some families are just like that you know it's kind of sad Mm -hmm. but it was very symbolic that they both were like i guess silently knowing that this is you know hey this is me please (laughs) please (laughs) Please understand me (laughs) yeah yeah which honestly i i relate to heavily because that's kind of how I relate to people is uh, like um, as uh, as my friend Aaron put it, uh, my friendship language is recommending things that I love to people, and it's usually movies or comics, and like because it's like that's how I want that's how I can relate to people is using them. Like I still and like you know me, like on a daily basis, I make movie references all the fucking time. Mm-hmm. That's just who I am. Uh, so, you know, at the end of the day, I'm like, I, I understand that, like, I can't, you know, assign, uh, myself. I can't, I, I shouldn't be aligning myself with, you know, fictional character, fictional pieces of art or, or, you know, aligning, you know, people that I know with, you know, aligning, aligning them with fictional pieces of art. But I understood where she was coming from, that it's just, it's really easy to have these touchstones in your life to try and like have you know try to understand other people and then have other people understand you mm-hmm. so yeah I, lo- I love this I love this comic yeah this one was heavy I mean it wasn't hard to get through because I don't know I'm very nosy and so getting to know all of the details and drama of someone's family it felt very intimate and it was really nice I guess to get like such a good look at what made their family the way it was because even though I didn't have those particular issues everyone's family has I guess secrets or you know finally you get old enough and your parents tell you all the drama you didn't know about so it was still Mm -hmm. interesting even though it was sort of on the sadder more I guess melancholy side but it really was like you're learning more about her but you're learning more about her whole family and then at the same time it's introspective because you're like you know my family is sort of like that or you know I can sort of be like that sometimes so even though it was sad it was still easy for me to get through I really did like it yeah I think that's I think that's uh, I think we've pretty much every said everything we 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 want to say about this yeah i would recommend this one out of 10 what would you say oh boy uh maybe i guess compared to the other ones that you've done episodes on so far maybe like a nine nine out of ten good yeah yeah because like (laughs) it's 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 great i love it it's just you know it's not it's great it's just not one of my favorites you know, mm-hmm. like, but I, it's, it's, it's definitely something that, 
I uh, that I love that I will hold up as a as a great piece of art and I highly recommend others to read it it's just you know not like you know one of my absolute favorites yeah what would you rank it (laughs) I would give it an eight because it is like a I wouldn't say an easy read because it is kind of emotional so if any of these things like sexuality or, or I guess family turmoil could be triggering for you it might be kind of hard to get through but mm-hmm. the story was good you know the writing was excellent and I really liked that the art style changed but because it's so sad it's not something I think I would come back to frequently just because I don't want to hurt myself over and over and over <laughs> again <laughs> yeah but it was good yeah. yeah I would give it an eight cool all right I uh, I think that's the end of this episode yeah. Got an, an, another short one in the bank. Yeah, because uh, my uh, my last two episodes were pretty long. Oh, uh, Nick, okay. <laughs> er, not last two, last three. Yeah, last mm-hmm. three were all long. Yeah, Nick Nick and I talked about the DC Universe for an hour and a half, which was... Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was a lot to get through. We had a lot to say about, about Batman. It'll get you... Yeah, uh, especially because he has very specific um, interests when it comes to Batman. Hmm. Mainly, he doesn't want Batman to be so dark, which I which is understandable because Batman can get dark and it's and then it's kind of just boring. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that is the end of this episode, uh, dear listeners. Uh, tune in next week. So. I understand that the whole scheduling for this is really weird. This was this episode was supposed to come out like a month ago, but scheduling has just been really weird uh, for all of us. Um, but I can say for certainty that next week, for sure, we <laughs> will be discussing uh, the six-issue miniseries God Country by Donna Cates and Jeff Shaw, uh, which I'm very very excited for it's one of my favorite comics um and i finally get to delve deep into my love for the writings of donny cates uh a fellow texan so i'm really excited for that uh Haley, do you have any closing remarks for our dear mm, listeners not really excited for next time being from texas it's pretty cool to talk about everybody loves texas so <laughs> yeah everybody loves it right now huh? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm such a All weirdo. All right. All right. Well, yeah. So, uh, tune in next week for that, for that episode. Um, you can, and also, uh, if you haven't already, check out the other episodes. Check out our, uh, first two official episodes where, which Haley's on. Um, and, uh, you can follow this show at, uh, at Comics Quest Show on Twitter. Uh, I feel really bad about this because I have not been uh, saying anything about him at all for this entire show, but I'm finally going to remedy it here. Uh, Thank you so much to my good friend Dan Purcell, who did the theme music for this song. I have not mentioned him at all this entire (laughs) freaking show, and I feel so bad because he is such a wonderful, wonderful human being. You can follow him on both Twitter and Instagram at the Dan Purcell. Uh, you can also listen to his music on Spotify and, or wherever you get your music. Uh, his song Serendipity is one of the greatest songs ever. 
like top five ever i will stand by that like i think that and maybe like total clips of the heart is like the two greatest songs of all time uh is it a is it a hyper hyperbolic statement uh no it's not it's not i love dan he's great so yeah uh <laughs> I'm stretching this out and I feel bad. So we're, I'm going to cut myself off now with uh, thank you for listening and have a nice day. Bye. See you next week.